Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Death, taxes, putting on a mask, washing your hands, and Manchester United coming from behind to win away from home. That's life in autumn 2020. Welcome to the Manchester United Weekly Podcast, where, yes, we are yet again talking about the world's most confusing football team, shambolic in the first half, intense and stylish in the second. 3-1 winners against West Ham. The scoreline was the other way round when United hosted Paris Saint-Germain in midweek. We're dissecting both games, their wide implications, and what they mean going forward for United. As always, I'll bring you your your regular youth loan and women's roundup in a spectacularly good weekend all round for Manchester United. Wins all round near or top of the league for all teams as well. You can hear that at about 25 minutes, 20 minutes or so. And then we're going to look ahead to games against Red Bull Leipzig or Rosenball Sports Leipzig, a crucial Champions League group stage game and the last one of the group stages. But Jack, uh, I think the place for me to start before we talk about inconsistency and how just how confusing this United team are is to start with a specific player and and this week it isn't Bruno Fernandes even though his impact was once again uh, magnificent but Marcus Rashford who uh, came off against PSG with a, a shoulder injury was rested by Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at the start of the game because of that injury and comes off the bench at half-time and offered a a world-class influence as a substitute. I don't think Rashford has had, probably not had the start of the season that we or he wanted or expected, but the dynamism that he offers when he's on the pitch is is completely undeniable, especially compared to Martial. I mean, the influence that he had on the game when he came off the bench against West Ham was massive. As soon as he came on, we looked like a completely different team. And obviously that's not just down to him. As you said, Bruno Fernandes plays a big part in that as well. But Rashford does offer us something that I don't think any of our other forwards do. Even when the quality in the final pass or the shot isn't necessarily there, he's always, always involved in creating for yeah. us on the pitch. It's almost a guarantee when he plays, when he's on the pitch, that you know we're going to be creating chances and they'll probably have something to do with him, whether it's his off-the-ball movement, whether it's his ability to beat a man. And that's not something, that's not a guarantee that you get with any of our other forward options. He's not always perfect and obviously his game can still develop a lot. 
But I think, you know, when you, you look at the way we play with and without him, it, it's a stark difference. Yeah. It was it was watching that second half and you were watching a player that was so uh, driven and also so effective. Uh, and there was a mischance, which he then made up for. He had two one-on-ones with Fabianski, put away the second one with a, a glorious chip, missed the first one. But it's just that directness and drive that you get from Rashford. No matter the situation, he, he pushes for goal. I think the same can be said of, of Mason Greenwood and Bruno Fernandes, but not of some of United's other midfield and attacking options. It, it doesn't matter the situation in the game. Those three players will always look as if they're searching for that goal as quickly as possible. And they look dangerous it was, whenever they're on the pitch, which is, yeah, obviously looks can be deceiving at times. It's not always going to come off, but it, that is a, a big deal, I think. Yeah. And it's, it's, I think what makes Rashford's performance and season all the more impressive is, is the comparison to Anthony Martial, the comparison which we've kind of had for five years. But I mean, yeah, there have been moments where Rashford could have been better this season. This certainly wasn't one of them. He was at his very best. And when he's at his very best, he's so good to watch as well. It's so exciting. But as someone pointed out, after his um, his contribution on on Saturday, Rashford has as many or more goals and assists since the start of the 2019-20 campaign last season as Sadio Mane, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, Raheem Sterling and Hyun-Min Son. Although Son's uh, goal and assist against Arsenal means he's he's just ahead of Rashford now. But that is... For, for a player that is... Quite a few months out injured yeah, in the middle yeah. of last season as well. Yeah, and for a player that is kind of never considered amongst those three other names or or the the very elite of the Premier League uh his his consistent goal contributions are brilliant and he was just fantastic to watch and uh, yeah the comparison to Martial is is interesting because Rashford is at his most productive that he's ever been and Martial the least so you look at the the goal involvement per 90 minutes. Rashford is at a career high of just under one goal contribution, goal or assist every 90 minutes. And Martial is at a career low of 0.2 every 90 minutes. Um, so stark contrast, but I just, I love seeing Marcus Rashford do well. Um, and it, it was him and Bruno Fernandes who, who changed the game. But the we we have this confusion again. United so terrible in the first half and so, so good in the second. Unlike Southampton last week where we were actually fine in the first half but trailed and then very good in the second. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a really hard one and the conclusion that I think um, some people were coming to at half time is that these first halves tell a story of an undercoached team. I, th- I think it's hard to disagree with that because it... it it, it it doesn't actually matter who the starting lineup is because Bruno and Rashford weren't in the starting lineup against um, West Ham, but they were against Southampton, and still both second halves were poor. And, and for the other seven games that came it, before yeah, it, yeah, exactly. So, is it just inconsistency? Is it being undercoached? Um, it's it's a it's a tough one to answer it and it makes it even tougher when every time United have one of these terrible first halves where you come to the conclusion at halftime that this is an undercoached team that Solskjaer isn't doing enough to um, put his team out in the right position they then come back and, and win in pretty comfortable style so like every week I watch this team and think that I'm getting somewhere with you know what we're like and the kind of team we are and being able to put a finger on 
who this Manchester United team is. And then it just completely goes out the window. I mean, I think this West Ham game is, is slightly different to some of the other games where we've gone behind. I think this is more similar to, say, the Brighton game in the second uh, week of the season rather than, say, the Southampton or Everton mm. wins. I mean, that. Let, let's deal with the, the positive first. The second half was, was very, very good. You know, the way we came back into the game was was brilliant. The, the impact that Bruno Fernandes, Marcus Rashford had, Mason Greenwood's performance in the second half, Paul Pogba's performance in the second half, even Juan Mata when he came on was very good as well. You know, this, this is really, really good stuff. And you watch us play like that and you just think, why aren't we, you know, why aren't we a, a brilliant team? <laughs> and, and we look like one at times. Yeah. And I think in terms of the under coaching, I, I think there's been so much debate about whether these are just inconsistent players or a group of players that are under coach. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I think we're both. And that's down to both the players and the coaching staff, in my opinion. It's one thing to have the odd bad game, the odd bad performance, and that happens. But it's becoming, at least in, in halves of games, far too frequent. And it is worrying. You know, regardless of the fact that we're winning all these games, you wonder if this is really a sustainable way for us to play, to keep falling behind and keep relying on our ability to yeah, be resilient yeah. and, and come back and Surely beat these Surely we'll come unstuck at some point. Right, exactly. I, I, it's, it's just not, it doesn't feel like something that can go on for, for that much longer. Surely one team is going to nick an early goal and then be able to sustain 90 minutes against us. Mm. And it's stopping me from getting really excited about a team that, to be honest, we probably should be quite excited about because we're only two points off the top of the league with our game in hand. We're playing really good football at, at times, showing a lot of resilience, resiliency, a really good sort of spirit of unity in, this, in the squad. But these halves are, are stopping me from getting excited because just when I think we, we may have turned a corner, we put in a performance like we did in the first 45 minutes at the London Stadium. And the... It's, it's, obviously we ended up winning the game which is great and ultimately the most important thing but I don't think we can just write off that first half and that that's kind of what worries me sometimes about these games is that we end up winning and we don't really focus on how bad we were for parts of it you know we were diabolical for the first 45 minutes and to be honest we were lucky to still be in with the chance of making a comeback because we should have been about three or four nil down at half time yeah. and it's 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 a strange one because that that I think that should be more concerning than it is because against Brighton they didn't take advantage of how many chances they had the same was true with Southampton actually the same is true with uh, West Ham the two West Ham and Brighton are the two main ones and yeah, West Brom absolutely. at home as well and it sh- I think because we've survived it so many times now it's it, you kind of you, we're becoming complacent and and it makes you we should think what happens when we come against a big team who can finish better and we we get done and I, that's what happened against Tottenham but generally it, it hasn't happened against the big teams because we play quite quite differently um, so it's it's a strange one to to get your head around and I guess if we're talking about undercoaching inconsistency what is it in the first half that makes us so bad because there are some individual defensive mistakes. Sure, against Southampton, there was uh, the, the giving away of the foul by Fred for the Ward Prowse free kick, uh, the giving away of the corner, and the fact that Bednarek got above Alex Tellers and, and scored. Against West Ham, um, sure, there were individual defensive mistakes, but but what is the kind of what is the consistent thing over these five away games where we've been terrible in the first half? 
I think it's often tempo, the, the fact that United play slow, that there's not enough movement um, and retaining of possession. And you look through the United side and, and when you think about those three things, lack of movement, lack of tempo and inability to keep the ball, does it surprise you given the players in there? Not necessarily, because for all of those things, you can find players who suffer from that as a weakness from Pogba who gives the ball away, Bruno who gives the ball away, Fred who gives the ball away or a lack of tempo. Again, Pogba, um, Martial, uh, even Rashford sometimes and um, uh, a lack of movement again Martial, Rashford and sometimes even Greenwood when he's played in this United team so there is it. That, that's what's strange is that it doesn't surprise you but it, it should have been something that's fixed by the, the coaching staff and it's not and again I go back to this point that I think we mentioned a couple of weeks ago that there's just you don't see those regular patterns of play within the United team that make you think that this is an attacking lineup who regularly do the same things um, apart from kind of just intuitively counter-attacking whenever the space becomes available. Yeah, and I, th- I think this is why I'm not willing to just put say that this we have a group of inconsistent players because it's not just that we come out and we put in completely different bad performances every week. That to me would, would suggest, you know, this is a group of players who just from week to week are very inconsistent Sure, we're inconsistent in the fact that we have good halves and we have bad halves and we have good games, we have bad games. But in all of those sort of bad stretches, whether it's 45 minutes or 90 minutes, it's pretty much the same thing all the time. You know, it's that we don't have any patterns of play moving forward. We can't keep the ball. Defensively, we look shaky and it's the same thing every every single time. You go back and watch uh, the Brighton performance at the Amex in the second game of the season and the first half at West Ham. They're almost identical. It's almost exactly the same. We just, we couldn't get anything going. The same thing against West Brom as well uh, at home a couple of weeks ago. That's the worry for me. And that's why I think it's fair to say that this is still an undercoached team. And that's not to say that, you know, Solskjaer needs to go and he's not good enough or anything like that. But I think it's fair to point out that criticism and that failure of the coaching staff. It's one thing to, you know, just have a group of players that, from week to week, put in completely different performances. But in some ways, we're actually not putting in different performances. We're just repeating the same performance over and over that happens to be sort of a game of two halves. And again, as as you said, it's not down to a specific group of players. We rotated a lot this week, which I think was actually the right decision from Solskjaer you know, rested a lot of our big guns and it was the same thing over and yeah. over again. And they've, they've, it, it's, yeah, again, it's not to say that Solskjaer should go because I, I, as um, as we're going to talk about in the bonus Q&A after, there was a graphic going around showing that United are second in the league table if you count results since January. And that, I, I think that's kind of forgotten because of how confusing this United team are. Is that actually in 2020, United have been one of the best teams in the country going by results. The, the thing is, and there, there'll be questions about Solskjaer's coaching staff as well, if this, if these fine margins start to turn the other way. And that's the thing, that football is such a game of fine margins and United have, have been the beneficiary of that, I think, this season. Maybe not against... Arsenal or Chelsea, but or even even PSG in midweek. But in general, I think we've been a beneficiary of of those fine margins. We've come out on top, and that that could all change. Some VAR calls to go our way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the the positive, I think, 
is that United now have a reputation, A, of a, a, a mentally very good squad that can cope with going behind. That's certainly not something that was true last season or the season before. But also there's this reputation of United now as a team that will come back in some form in the second half and will score at least one and often three. Yeah, We've scored three absolutely. times or more in all of our way league games this season. And it's three on all of them except one in, in which it was four at Newcastle. It's nine away wins on the bounce. We're a couple of points off the league. And and the fact that people know we're going to come back and, and do something in the second half means that teams are less likely to sit back on on one nil leads if they know that United are going to score anyway. So they know they're going to need a second and that in turn opens up space and it's kind of a, a positive um, feedback loop of it, it. It's just a very good thing. Um, and that, that definitely is a positive and, and will benefit United going forward and will mean that this will probably happen again and again. Yeah. I mean, at this point in the season, you can't really see us doing anything else. And it, I think it really is, it's, it's so difficult to judge this, this United team because something has got to give. Something has got to give here. You can't, like we, we cannot and we will not go through this whole season, you know, away from home going 1-0 down at halftime, 2-0 down at halftime and, and coming back to win games 3-0, also 3-1, 3-2, 4-1. It's not going to happen. And it just, it's so difficult to know whether the way that that's going to break is that we're actually going to become a better team in the first half stop letting teams get a head start on us and then still be this good attacking team that can take advantage of of teams' weaknesses? Or is it going to be that teams are just going to get a bit better against us defensively and we're not going to be able to, you know, kill these games off and, and stay in them? Maybe maybe they will start taking their chances. I mean, I, I, I don't love using expected goals to judge a team's performance, but I'm sure a lot of our listeners saw the stat at halftime that, our expected goals were 0.07. I mean, that that is a, that is honestly laughable. <laughs> that is a joke. I think you'd have more expected goals if you just actually sat on the edge of your own box the whole time and and sent one man forward. I mean, and I think West Ham's was up at about two and a half. So, you know, we we were lucky to be in the game at that point, and you you worry how much we can, how much longer we can keep that up, and. Is our luck going luck to run out and teams start taking these chances against us? You know, and we saw what happens when that uh, does does occur and teams take their chances against us against Spurs in the six one. And to be to be brutally honest, I don't think our first half performance against West Ham was any better than that first half against Spurs. The difference was that they didn't take their chances. But then you look at the flip side of it and you say, well, all right, if we can just shore things up a little bit, maybe get a little bit tactically smarter in the first half, maybe have some better plans for these teams, we could be unstoppable. You know, if we just can get to half time at nil-nil in these games, well, we'll be winning every game three or four nil. It, so <laughs> I'm sitting here and I'm trying to trying to make sense and yeah. for listeners feel like we have almost an obligation in some ways to try and say this is what's going on and explain things. I honestly don't know. I haven't got a clue who this Man United team is <laughs> yeah. at the moment. Yeah. Let's run through a few positive things. Mason Greenwood's, Utter dynamite! What what a goal! The touch is yeah. is um, world class. The finish is as tidy as it as it always is with Greenwood, and that's kind of what he's there to do. If he doesn't do anything all game, but pulls that out, that's absolutely fine. Yeah, it was a brilliant finish and a reminder of just how talented and how naturally gifted Mason Greenwood is. It's obviously been for reasons both on and off the pitch not 
not the best start to this season for him, but credit to Solskjaer, I think, for for keeping faith in him, for hiding him from the limelight for a little bit, but keeping faith with him. And, you know, he didn't play amazingly against West Ham, but when he got his chance, he took it. And I think that really describes Mason Greenwood down to a T. And there was, you know, Gary Neville on commentary for yeah. Sky Sports was saying that he thinks Mason Greenwood is the best footballer out of the three of Greenwood, Martial and Rashford. I think for someone who's so involved with with the club and has such a good understanding of how these players look coming through the youth system or when we sign them, I think that's a big, that's a big statement and a big, uh, a, a big sign of just the faith that people in the know yeah. have about Mason Greenwood. That kind of natural striking ability doesn't, doesn't come easy and is yep. the sign of someone who, as long as he can stay on the straight and narrow and, you know, have a good support system around him, which he looks like he does with, with Solskjaer, who's looking after him very well. I mean, the sky is the limit for Greenwood. Yeah, 20 goals now in, uh, and 65 games he's played for United already at the age of 19. Is he the, the youngest player, I think, to reach 20 goals since Norman Whiteside yeah, for yeah, us? Yeah, he is. Um, another great goal, Paul Pogba, finally coming up big for United. And actually had a, a pretty good game all round. Was was uh, one of the left bad players in the first half. Gave away the ball a couple of times as he always does, but also kind of helped United escape the. the it was probably the pressure. only player actually driving us forward yeah. in, in any way, even if it didn't always come yeah. off. Um, his his was a fantastic goal, so so well taken, and it, it was funny because I. I watched the game back um, because we just left Sky Sports on all day in the house um, and they replayed the whole thing uh, and it was kind of on in the background. But there was a, it reminded me that Pop had a similar chance in the first half that he... I think it was straight at Fabianski. Oh yeah, 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 you're right. Straight at Fabianski. And it just that one attempt in the first half gets it absolutely spot on in the second. Beautiful goal. But yeah, yeah, played all right. And it was interesting to hear what he said about the impact of having coronavirus on on his game he spoke about how out of breath he was finding finding himself in training and in his in his first game back and that the the kind of impact the the amount of it uh surprised him um and it's it's interesting to consider because plenty of players have had it and i think maybe we underestimate um the effect of it uh as uh, uh, the long-term effect of it on on footballers yeah, I mean, we're seeing more and more examples now of this long COVID, that I think, as it's now sort of being called. And this isn't just, a, you know, a cold that you get over in a couple of weeks. This has sort of long-term effects, whether it's something that affects you all the time, just when you're just sitting down and, you know, wheezing, or if it's something that really impacts your cardiovascular system when you're working hard. It's something to keep an eye on. I, I, I've... I've what I worry for for players that have had COVID and potentially this this could be something that shortens their career really badly. I wonder actually if this is something affecting Alex Tellers at the moment as well because since the first game that he played for United against PSG and then he uh, contracted COVID after that, he just hasn't seemed at the races. And I wonder if there's something similar going on there. But I think Pogba deserves credit for that performance. He wasn't spectacular, but. I think he did enough. He was one of our better players in the first half. And I've got to say, I was not very happy with Solskjaer at halftime for the subs that he made. And I still don't think he made the right subs, but he was proven correct in the end. Um, you know, I thought I thought one of Pogba and McTominay should probably have come off. Um, but in the end, he was vindicated with the way that Pogba responded. And that goal is exactly why you have someone like Paul Pogba 
in the team because they can create moments like that. Yeah, yeah. And um, I was impressed by Harry Maguire as well. And we'll talk about Bruno in a second, but Maguire did everything right and, and has done for <clears throat> for a few weeks now and is, is a very calming influence of the back for United, I think, and um, is, is in some of his best form and looking like the player that, that we needed in defence when we signed him. And, um, and that's a huge positive. But Bruno Fernandes, we've talked about Rashford changing the game at halftime, but we created th- three chances in the first half against West Ham. Bruno Fernandes came on at halftime and created five in the first 28 minutes he was on the pitch um, and ended up with eight, completely transformed the game. We, you do run out of ways to describe his his brilliance and his importance to the team, but it's it's worth saying again and again and again because he is just an, an utterly brilliant player and thank God we signed him. It, I kind of get almost scared thinking about where we would be without Bruno Fernandes at this point. I mean, you do you do wonder how you know how low we would have finished last season, where we would be this season if we hadn't have managed to get him in in January. But I, I'm running out of, of things to say. I think we should probably change the the title of this podcast to the Bruno Fernandes Weekly Podcast because that pretty much is what Manchester United is at the moment. I've, we've managed to go 20 minutes without speaking about him. But to be honest, we we could have spent the last 20 minutes just talking about every everything he does on the pitch. Yeah. In classic Bruno Fernandes style, it wasn't perfect, but without a doubt, the most effective the most transformative, the most impactful player on the pitch by an absolute mile, even though he was only on for 45 minutes. Yeah. It's not just, you know, he didn't necessarily, I think he only had one assist against West Ham. He didn't necessarily have the numbers in terms of goal involvements, but look at, I think every single one of our goals, he was involved in the build-up. He makes the assist to Pogba. He's the one that lays the ball off to Massa, I believe, for the assist for Rashford. You know, he he's, he's just on another level. He really is. The way that he moves the ball so quickly and it, it causes a bit of trouble sometimes, but at least five or six times every single game at this point, he's just doing things, operating at a completely different speed, a completely different standard, just different vision to every single player on the pitch. And it is it really is unbelievable. I don't think I've ever seen a, a signing come to United and have such a big impact straight away. I mean, He's now probably nearing 50 games for United, I would have thought. Well, actually, no, probably not that. Probably about 35 games for United. And I mean, I, I, I honestly can't think of any player that's had such a massive impact on us, maybe except Van Persie. But I'd argue that Fernandez is probably having a bigger yeah. impact than, Fernand, uh, than Van Persie did just because he's dragging a much worse team forward than Van Persie was. Van Persie was the the cherry on top and the, yeah. the kind of the final piece of the jigsaw Fernandez is the the centerpiece the first piece of the jigsaw yeah um uh, I think um it's uh, the, the final thing I say and, and yeah you're right we could have started the podcast by talking about Bruno and ended it um but we have spoken about him so much that I thought we should uh talk about Rashford <laughs> and others instead just uh just to just provide that, some variety that, but um yeah you're right Bruno on 38 appearances for United only four of them off the bench and 22 goals and so so many assists um final just thing say, you wonder as it, it's almost annoying to to think this but do you wonder where we might have ended up last season if we had have brought him in last summer when Solskjaer wanted him, like in the summer of 2019? Yeah. You know, you just yeah. just think if he'd have, if this, this form is sustainable and he could have played like this the whole season, you know, I don't think we ever would have got close to Liverpool or Man City, to be fair, with how many nah. points they got. But you do just wonder 
you know, would we have been able to stave off that awful six, first six months of last season with yeah. him in there? Yeah. Last thing I'll say on the West Ham game is a all three scorers from the academy and that that would be a nice segment into the youth loan and women's roundup but we'll mention PSG very quickly basically from my point of view very frustrated um, very frustrating night a missed opportunity chances missed by Martial they'll live long in the memory Fred should have been taken off at half time but the second yellow was a blatantly incorrect decision so the kind of framing of it is the framing of it by pundits and fans like as it was shocking to keep him on it's been proved to be the wrong decision I I was kind of that I was frustrated at that as well because he should have been taken off yeah but it, it, talking as, as if it was an inevitable red card when actually Fred played well in the second half and played pretty cleanly and he didn't actually commit another bookable offence and was incorrectly sent off was um, was frustrating but generally frustrating night all round and a game where we could have beaten PSG again even though the scoreline was eventually 3-1 yeah, frustrating for for so many reasons. I think we actually played really, really well. Yeah, without I think without a doubt, our, our probably alongside Leipzig, actually our best performance at Old Trafford this season. You know, PSG. I think they dominated the first sort of twenty minutes and obviously got their early goal. But from from twenty minutes in until PSG scored their second, which was what about seventy minutes, I think I th- we were by far the better team. And and even after PSG scored their second goal. We looked a little bit, a little bit panicked, and and started hoofing the ball a little bit too soon for my liking. But I think you know we we still did pretty well, and, and there we there was enough there to suggest that we might create another chance. Obviously, got hit on the counter attack, which which happens. It's not a big deal. The third goal, but yeah, it was. It's just so frustrating because not only did we play well and probably deserve to win and had the chances to win, but now obviously the implications that it has for us getting through or potentially not getting through to the knockout stages as well. It would have taken the pressure off, allowed us to rest a few players going into this final game of the, the Champions League against Leipzig because I think winning would have got us top of the group as well, wouldn't yeah. it? It's frustrating for a lot of reasons, but yeah, primarily because the game was there for us to win. Martial had two very, very good chances. One of them in particular, that just, you just cannot believe that he missed. Cavani obviously hit the bar with a sublime chip at one point that, that would have been a yeah. perfect way to get his... Uh, his first Champions League goal for United. It's 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 really really frustrating on so many levels. And again, because we we actually played yeah. really really well. Right. Positive news. We'll go back to it. Uh, under twenty threes, under eighteens, women's team all won. So here's your youth loan and women's roundup. A fantastic weekend all round for Manchester United. The under 23s kick things off on Friday night with a 3-1 win against a good Southampton side. Three points against Saint Tank United to sixth in Premier League 2. Manager Neil Wood will be really pleased with the win. Southampton's Obafemi and Slattery are both good talents and caused United problems but the Reds went ahead through Anthony Alanga. The Swedish winger hit the wall with a free kick but lashed in the loose ball well. 23 seconds into the second half Facundo Pellistri doubled United's lead. It was a great assist from 16-year-old Shola Shortire who moved away from two defenders with a good turn and played the perfect through ball to Polistri. The Uruguayan had loads of time to think about it but finished well into the bottom left corner. Saints got one back through Obafemi but United wrapped the game up late on with another from Arnaud Puigmal has been consistently brilliant all season. The under-18s beat Liverpool on Saturday morning in a frenetic game leading 2-0 at half-time thanks to goals from Charlie Wellens and Charlie McNeil. Both of them were set up by Noam Emran United's man of the match. He has two goals and five assists in seven games this season. Liverpool came back brilliantly scoring three after the break and taking the lead Leighton Stewart scored two of them but United responded well regained control of the midfield and Emran was involved again as Joe Hugel equalised
equalised for the Reds. Hugo grabbed the 84th minute winner as well as a blocked shot from Charlie Savage fell into his path and he turned and converted well. He's now scored six goals in three under-18s games and United are now clear at the top of the under-18 Premier League. In low news, Steve Chong started for Werder Bremen on Sunday against Stuttgart. Andreas Pereira was in action for Lazio, had a goal disallowed by VAR as they beat Spezia 2-1. James Garner started for Watford in a 1-0 defeat against Cardiff. Dishon Bernard kept a clean sheet for Salford against Barrow in a 1-0 win. Dylan Levitt is still unavailable for Charlton. Joel Pereira was not in Huddersfield's squad against QPR, but Mate Kovar started for Swindon in a 2-0 defeat away to Gillingham. Atalanta's game against Udinese in Syria was postponed. Ahmad Diallo Traore was set to be on the bench. United women remain at the top of the Women's Super League after making it four away wins from four on Saturday. Leah Goulton put United ahead against Aston Villa after 25 minutes. Hayley Ladd played Goulton through from the edge of the area and she tidily tucked it home. It wasn't until late in the second half that United deservedly doubled their lead and wrapped the game up. They had plenty of chances to do so and it was one of the more difficult opportunities that was converted. Ella Toon gloriously chipping Villa keeper Vice after she charged out with her goal. United are three points clear at the top of the WSL now. Right, Jack. Tuesday night, RB Leipzig away. It's a it's a shame this one because it would be United's first. Well, it is United's first away game in uh, in Leipzig. It's a shame because fans can't go. It'd be a brilliant trip. It'd be a massive game. Germany in December, Christmas markets, a new city. Uh, it it would be a brilliant away trip for United fans, but unfortunately, uh, not not for this year, not for 2020. It's still a massive game though, and as we were talking about before, win against PSG and we would have qualified already. But now we we don't have it all to do against Leipzig, and I don't think uh, all of the pressure is on us. But we need a result. Uh, we, we need a draw or a win, and we'll we'll go through a win. And if we better. PSG's result with a win um, then we'll go through as group leaders Leipzig who we batted in in the first game at Old Trafford 5-0 I mean a bit of a generous scoreline um, for United that but we uh, we did play very well and we did tear them apart on on multiple multiple occasions but Bayern Munich's biggest challengers this year um, RB Leipzig the only team in 54 games to stop Bayern Munich from scoring back in February and they played Bayern again this weekend drew 3-3 it's it's not uh, it's not a game where even though we only need a draw, you can be that confident, is it? No, not at all. Because I think both because of ourselves and because of the opposition, Leipzig are a very good side. And just because we beat them, was it five nil at Old Trafford? I don't think that means that we can take this lightly. I think that that scoreline was firstly a very 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 good performance by United, probably our best alongside the two PSG games all season. But secondly, I, I think it goes a little bit under the radar that actually the first sort of half an hour of that game, we were under a lot of pressure. Leipzig were pretty dominant and you know could easily have, have nicked a goal or two in that first half an hour. So this isn't going to be a walkover at all. I think the big thing that I hope is, is that we don't go into this game with the mindset of we just need a draw and let's sit back, soak up the pressure. I, I don't think we're good enough and we've shown that before. I don't think we're good enough defensively at this at this stage to to be able to rely on us just sitting back for 90 minutes and see out a nil-nil draw. I'm not saying that we need to be going all guns blazing and you know playing with four men uh, up, up front the whole game, but I, th- I think there needs to be a balance here. Of It's really easy in these games to get way too conservative and get way too risk-averse, and I think that's the complete wrong way to go about it. Yeah, I you know, agree. The best way to 
the best way to get yeah. through here and, and see it out when we need to draw is to go out and win the game and you know have it done by half time, be 2-0 up at half time. Obviously, I know that's best case scenario and is unlikely, yeah. but I, I, th- I think it's really important that we don't just get sort of bogged down in, oh, we just need a draw, let's just sit back yeah, and, no, I and think- see, because it's, it's, it's just not going to work. Yeah, I think United's best chance of, and I mean, we're going to win. So our best chance of winning is by going on the attack because yeah, Leipzig have a lot of quality. The point is that I, I don't think this United team will be good enough defensively to grind out a draw. No, not, not um, at all. And I'm not sure that's related to the defence necessarily, but to the people in front of them that United's attackers aren't that good at pressing. They aren't that good at uh, coming back and helping out in defence. Same goes for the midfield. And it, 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 conversely, Marcus Rashford is the Champions League top goal scorer on six goals. And conversely, we've, we've scored five goals against Leipzig at home, four against Basaksha here. We've scored three against PSG in two games. This is a, a very good attacking side. I guess the question is, well, I was going to say the question is how do we start an attack, but it's very dependent on Cavani and Martial not being injured um, because both of them went off with injuries against West Ham. Cavani at halftime, Martial in the second half. Let's let's say without Cavani and Martial, how do United start? Uh, for me, I'd probably go with a, a two of Rashford and Greenwood up front. Um, I'd go for, for a diamond with... Um, Van der Beek although Van der Beek um, has has had a few knocks but Van der Beek Bruno no Fred available so perhaps Popper and and Matic yeah I reckon the diamond will be the way to go Leipzig are are very good in midfield and very good at pressing the ball it it worries me slightly that that was that was the way that we tried to set up against Leipzig last time and it was it was a little bit of a struggle at times but you know I think I think ultimately that probably is our, our best Formation. The, the thing is, the thing that I think I'm anxious to see is how we deal with Leipzig's press. I think that diamond might help a little bit in giving us a few more options in the center of the park rather than having, whereas in our four-two-three-one, having our wingers pushed a long way forward. I think that will probably be the lineup. Uh, you know, we have a few injuries. It's not terrible, but again, the squad depth that we have now makes that a bit easier to deal with. I think the other, the other thing. Just going back to the conversation of how we should approach this game, the other reason, obviously, the priority is to get through, but the other reason we need to be approaching this game with a positive mindset is to win the group because since all of the other English teams, it looks anyway, like we'll probably end their group top, our options, if we finish second, are very, very difficult for the last 16. Assuming that Chelsea, uh, City and Liverpool all finish top of their group, if we finish second our likely opponents in the last 16, it's one of Barca, Dortmund, Bayern, and then either Mönchengladbach, Shakhtar or Real Madrid. So that one obviously is not too bad, but I mean, we have a one in four chance of of getting those. And outside of that, we have a three in four chance of getting either Barca, Dortmund or Bayern, which is not yeah. not exactly what you want to see. Obviously, yeah. you'd love to see it from the point of view of it be, be a great game and a great night for the club, but... If our chances of getting through, we, we should be top in this group. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to the team, um, I think the good the, I think the, the problem with the diamond is that given Leipzig's pressure, yeah, we could kind of get overcrowded in that midfield with players who aren't always that good on the ball. I think Van der Beek is is good enough to to keep possession under pressure. Um and I think Greenwood sometimes is, Matic often is, but um 
Pogba and Bruno are going to give the ball away and then you've got too many bodies in there and Leipzig can take advantage and, and quickly break through. Also to take into consideration is that Leipzig wing backs are particularly potent. Angelino uh, has six goals and four assists in all competitions from left wing back. And, and, and that is going to be a problem in the diamonds. But I think that the, I, th- I think I'd probably start with that diamond with that personnel because it gives you the option of, of very quickly swapping. Because if you have Rashford and Greenwood up top, you just shift Rashford onto the left, Greenwood through the middle and probably Van der Beek on the right. And, th- and that's a very quick fix and you can change that within the game without too much complication. Um, so yeah, I'd probably go like that. What are you predicting, Jack? I'll go for a a very tense and very nervy one or draw. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, there's a bit of me that thinks it's stupid to predict a United win. And there's another bit that thinks it's <laughs> it's the kind of thing we'll do. It's a bit stupid to predict any United game at this point, yeah. I think. But for for a while now, because of our good form in the Champions League, it's kind of seemed certain that we would qualify. And the fact that we might not is... Yeah. Uh, is, is, is worrying or scary more than worrying. Um because we we kind of have deserved to qualify, so to mess it up would be a, a big problem. And it, it's that loss to Basakshir that's the real problem, not not the defeat to PSG. I'm going to go for a two-two draw, although there's not there's not a huge amount of me that think that's that's at all possible. <laughs> but there we go. Um, right, we're going to go to our our Patreon Q and A. We're going to wrap the show up. We'll be back after the Leipzig game, um, experimenting with a a two show in a week format because. Leipzig game is big and then it's City um, in the derby on Saturday so we'll be back with a kind of 15 minute episode looking at the Leipzig game reviewing it and previewing City afterwards but we're going to go to our Patreon bonus Q&A now we've got some really interesting questions on um, players we shouldn't have let go on Anthony Martial on Erling Haaland on Jadon Sancho on Oregon Solskjaer on first half performances on Edinson Cavani on Mike Tyson plenty to get through Um, if you want to become a patron and support the Manchester United Weekly Podcast you can go to our Twitter at UTD Weekly Pod that's UTD Weekly Pod P-O-D at the end there and you can find information on how to sign up to become a patron pay a little bit of money each month and get bonus content in return otherwise from Jack you can hear from him on Twitter throughout the week at at UTD Tate T-A-I-T and you can find me at Harry Robinson 64 and as I say the podcast itself at UTD Weekly Pod that's P-O-D at the end there right we'll go and chat to our patrons for a little longer but for the rest of you have a great week goodbye Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.